Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Luke chapter number 18, I'll begin at verse number 9 again. We read this text before, but um, I may have mentioned that uh, previously I was only able to get half of the message out uh, to everyone's thankfulness, but we, we want to be faithful to God and to the unction of the Holy Spirit. Um, there, are, there are things that happen... And, and I don't believe they're happenstance. They're not accidents. Uh, I believe that the Spirit of God moves in our lives to do things that uh, we otherwise would have missed or have been or had failed to do completely. Uh, this has been on my heart, certainly been in my spirit for the last several weeks. And um, I have desired to preach this and have been unable uh, either for the opportunity or the unction to do so. And yet, all the while, God has been little by little opening up more of this truth to me, and I am so grateful for that, uh, because I'll just be honest, I don't know what we need, and I'm glad he does. So I do desire your prayers tonight. I want to be obedient to the text and the and the keeper of it. I bless his name and the Holy Spirit that gives unction for it. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Father, open your word to our hearts as we'll do our best to open our hearts to your word. We need it. We're desperate for it. We know this. So we pray earnestly for the clarity of mind and speech, the unction of the Holy Spirit. Firmly place it within our souls and our minds, and may we respond properly. May we receive it with joy and in obedience. God, bring glory to you. In Christ to others. Help us, we pray, as I ask it earnestly in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to continue tonight with uh, the message entitled The Dangers of Self-Righteousness. The Dangers of Self-Righteousness. We spent some time uh, last time 
sharing with you the the witness of Job. And I don't know if folks realize that Job's the oldest book in the Bible, they say, written even before any of the Pentateuch that Moses would write. And to realize that Job experienced the same kind of trouble that you and I do um, is an encouragement to my heart, at least in a way. But to see Job's failure, where after all he did that was right, that righteousness became of himself. And I, I struggle sometimes trying to figure out just exactly how to break this down, but I am, my heart is heavy with this thought still, the importance of recognizing when righteousness becomes of ourself. The truth is, is that there is no righteousness within ourselves. The Apostle Paul would be clear that there is no good thing in me. And yet, what has been trusted and given unto us at our spiritual birth was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so if anything good is done, I can assure you that there's no credit need be given to me. And that doesn't matter what it is. If it was of any good thing, if it had spiritual relevance, although I am accountable, although I am responsible to live right and according to the mandates of the Holy Writ, I will never have the right to claim it as my righteousness. If there is anything good, it is Christ in me. Oh, how needful this is. How needful this is. Jesus gave this parable among several other parables in the last uh, portion of the Gospel of Luke. And the physician records for us, I believe, something that was extremely important. And, and as Christ began to deal with those that were hearing this word that day, he shared with them a parable. Now, uh, I listened to one fella as he shared his thoughts on a couple of these verses, and he seemed it uh, uh, that Christ was expressing a bit of his sense of humor. I'm not certain that it's that way, but I certainly see what he's talking about because when the Lord Jesus presented this to those that were listening, and I can tell you there were Pharisees listening. There were, there were publicans listening, likely, and Pharisees as well as his own disciples who were also guilty of self-righteousness. We know that because before he could ever get to the cross, they were fighting over who would be first. They were murmuring among themselves about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. So they obviously had a picture of themselves that was well inflated above what it should have been. They weren't living in the humility of their master but they were living in the righteousness of themselves, which in every circumstance is wrong. Because we simply don't have righteousness of ourselves. 
You see, it can't be true. I know people that are good. I, 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 I trust them. I, I would trust my life in their hands. And that I, I don't doubt that because I know the same people you do. But I know this, that man's impotence to recover himself is an eternal doctrine and it applies to Adam to the last man born. We have no righteousness. If we did, Christ would not have had to die. If one man could have made it into heaven on his own righteousness, then God would have required every man to do the same. And yet from the foundation of the world, God had a plan of salvation. He would send a human to the cross to die who was perfect, but it was not mankind, it was of God kind. It was Christ who would be born into this world, who would become flesh, live a sinless life, and die in our place. God had to send himself in order to save you and me because we have no righteous. You say, preacher, in my heart, there's good there somewhere. That's not what the Bible says about your heart. The Bible says your heart is continuously wicked. I believe it's capable of anything. I stand before you today in the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that I am not like anyone else that has been mentioned here. I cannot give myself the credit for not being a dopatic. I cannot give myself the credit for not being an unfaithful husband. I can't give my credit to anything except Christ lives in me. And that forever must dictate within our souls in whom our glory is to be given. Because at the very moment that all of the good things you try to do, that we're asked to do of God, that we're required to do by his word, at the very moment we begin to believe in ourselves and our abilities to do them, we have crossed from spiritual righteousness to self-righteousness. From what was a blessing to what is a sin. Self-righteousness is a sin. It is a wicked lie that we tell to ourselves and then try to push upon others. We want people to believe we are good and that is a product of our own pride and it is sinful in every way. The dangers of self-righteousness. I believe there's four things that clearly the master relayed to those that were hearing that day. Four dangers about self-righteous individuals. And the thing about self-righteousness is that it applies to sinner and saint. Nobody's excluded from self-righteousness. Do you realize that most lost people today will never come to church because they're just as good as you are? You know what that is? That's a righteous position that they themselves have given. That is a declaration of their own righteousness. They say, I don't need God. I'm good. I want you to know today there's nothing good. So sinner and saint are guilty of self-righteousness. The sinner has no spiritual righteousness within themselves. And yet self-righteousness 
remains because of the pride of their own hearts. And when we look at the saints, certainly there should be a spiritual righteousness that mandates what we do, how we live, what we say, how we dress, how we talk, how we act, how we love. All of these things are mandates from the Spirit of God that lives in us and the power of God that is righteous within me. But in the instant that I begin to assume that I can do it just like that without the Spirit of God, I just stepped into sin because it became about self and not about Christ. It must always be about Christ. There are dangers of self-righteousness. Number one, the danger is that we become dependent on ourselves. Now, I'll be clear with you. I don't know that I could make it a day without him. I'm at a point in my life that I recognize that it seems every second of my day he is trying to help me. He's trying to do something that I can't do. Surely we're at the place as men and women of God today that we would confess that I am dependent upon Christ for all things. At the place where I begin to, I don't need God to help me in my work. I have the strength, I have the mental capacity, I'm, I, I'm intellectually superior than some of my neighbors or somebody like that. And it gives me the ability to do something that someone, I want you to know today, you have nothing God hadn't given you. You can do nothing that God doesn't allow you to do. I want you to see what Jesus was trying to say. The Bible said here, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Speaking about the Pharisees specifically, but I believe it could have, speak, could have spoken to any one of us at any given time during the week about someone who trusted in themselves. When they were faced with a problem, when they were faced with a dilemma, when they had a decision to make for God, they trusted in themselves instead of trusting in God. Oh, what a terrible mistake it is to ever lean on one's own understanding. To allow ourselves to be tricked by the enemy in the snare of his lies. To be drugged down that path where we can say, I got this. I know what to do. I know how to do it. We can deny we do such things, but let's be honest. The flesh was born with that capacity. What it has to learn is that it has no abilities within itself and that we must teach it. Jesus said they trusted in themselves. I believe this is the part where maybe that one man I referred to had thought Jesus was expressing a sense of humor here. As he began to describe in verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now, do you know how much good it does for me to pray with myself? Let's just exclude God from the equation. Let's exclude the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from our prayer lives. And you have suddenly found yourself in a position of praying with yourself. I'm going to pray with myself and I am going to ask myself for a miracle. And if I'm honest, I got to say, I can't do any of those. But that's what we're doing when we depend on ourselves as depending, as opposed to depending upon God. What a, what a crazy thought for us to pray with ourselves. And yet the Lord said, that's what the Pharisees doing. 
He said he's not praying to me. When he prays in a self-righteous condition, when he allows the danger of this particular portion or or problem with self-righteousness, he is allowing himself to slip right out of the realm of the greatness of God's hearing. And he becomes unheard altogether. Jesus said he's just praying with himself. God didn't hear him. I don't know about you, but I need God to hear my prayers. (laughs) Oh, how desperate I am for God to hear my prayers. I can't afford to live not one moment of my life in a self-righteous condition because in self-righteousness, we did depend upon ourselves. We trust in ourselves, brother. And when we do, that sin separates us from the ear of the Almighty. Jesus said he just prayed with himself. What good does praying to oneself do? How much did that Pharisee accomplish that day? Spoke a lot of words, way more words than the publican spoke. And yet what we hear is that Christ said, nobody heard him but himself. You know what? He prayed those prayers. Another portion of the Gospels reveals to us that they prayed so someone would hear them. And what Jesus said, nobody listened to them. Well, when somebody's praying to themselves, no one else is listening. Right? It'd be different if I stood before you, Larry, and I was praying to you, and you might be listening, right, because I'm praying to you. But when I'm praying to myself, guess what? They don't care. They're not listening. They prayed so other men would see them and lift them up for their good works. And yet what Christ said is they trusted in themselves. And oh, what a danger that is because when you trust in yourself, then you got to trust yourself to do all the work, to do all the miracles, to do the things you can't do. Let me tell you something. You might be earnest in praying for one thing and, and unearnest or trusting in yourself for five other things. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you begin to trust in yourself, you, your one thing that you was earnest about, I'm not certain got through. The danger of self-righteousness is we trust in ourselves instead of trusting in God. All the while, the scripture is clear that we have no option. If when it comes to those things that we can't do in the flesh, friend, God is the only solution. And so the Proverbs writer would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. Listen, there's a formula to praying and being heard when you pray, but it cannot include self-righteousness. That's number one. Number two, self-righteousness, there's a clear danger that when we become self-righteous, we begin to despise others. Jesus would say it and the Pharisee would back it up. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and listen, and despised despised is that what the word despised means hates hates others despises others looks down on others the prayer of the pharisee was god i thank thee that i am not as other men are i am not as the extortioner 
I am not as the thief or the unjust or the adulterer or even this publican. When self-righteousness finds its home in your house, you will become hating others. Your heart will despise others. When someone doesn't line up with your standard, your lifestyle, what you have established as good or bad, righteous or unrighteous, rather than your own heart begins to despise them. It's no wonder today we live in a world that is filled with hate because we live in a world of self-righteous people. The ungodly hate the godly and they think the godly hate them. Why? Because it's the only way they can see in their blindness to the spiritual truths of God's Holy word, we find ourselves, friend, when self-righteousness takes place, Jesus said that a man will begin to despise other men. I assure you today, when self-righteousness rules, there's no witness in this world. There is no harvest that is being reaped. There is no work that is being done when we begin to despise our fellow man. And brother, when it comes to self-righteousness, we ought to despise ourselves. We ought to judge ourselves and see the condition of our own heart and get right with God because self-righteousness will cause you to despise others. This man prayed it out loud. He didn't care that the publican could hear him. Why no? He said, oh God. I thank, now remember, he's talking to himself. God ain't listening to this. But he said, oh God, I thank you. And I'm not like, I'm not like Dustin Oh, thank you that I'm not like Larry. God never heard that prayer. And oh, what a wicked thing for any, any one man to look down his nose at another man and say, I'm better than he is. I can assure you right now, there is not one better and there is not one worse When it comes to God, I want you to know the cross of Calvary is level ground. We all came to him as sinners. We all came to him with a a destiny of hell's flames. We all came to him without a remedy for our salvation. We were all lost and undone without God. We have no right to despise any other man. I don't care if you've done a thousand good works in a week's time. You will never have the right. You can never within yourself say, I am better than so-and-so. Or it just became self-righteousness. Or the self-righteousness is what produced the thought in your heart to begin with. Number two, we begin to despise others. You pray, preacher, surely... The church of Jesus Christ doesn't truly hate other people. Now, I wish it was true. I wish it was true. We're not supposed to hate. I can tell you that. According to the word of God, I'm supposed to love everybody. Heard an enlightening message last night that was shared with me, and I want to share the part of it with you that stuck with my soul. And he spoke concerning a particular kind of sinner, a particular type of sinner, but I just want to say to you that everybody's a sinner. And I'm not going to speak of the sin itself because I don't want you to dwell on the sin. I want you to recognize that you could put any sin in this category and here's what the lost man thinks. The godly folks, number one, they either hate me or they affirm me. 
That's the only two things that they accept is that someone hates them or that someone affirms them. If you don't hate them, you agree with how they live. If you don't agree with how they live, then you hate them. Those are the only two things they see. I thought that was a fascinating thought. Because as I think about it, it's probably true. That's what they think. But did you know according to the word of God that I'm not allowed to do either? The very two things that they think I do or they expect you to do. They expect you to either hate them and not affirm their lifestyle or affirm their lifestyle and not hate them. That's what they expect. But according to the word of God, I can't do either of those. I cannot hate you and I cannot affirm your lifestyle. I can do neither. To me, that expresses a great gap in our communication. The one thing that lost person needs to know is I do not hate you. I absolutely do not, cannot, by the word in this book, ever hate you. But I also cannot affirm your ungodly lifestyle. I can't do either of those. You say, then what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to love them. Love them. Love them, not despise them, but love them in a way that says, I care enough about you to say there is a better way for you. There is another way. There is a way that God has put before us. And yet what we find is that most men do what's right in their own eyes. And that's how they establish who they are. That's how they establish how they exist. That's, that's, that's how they live and get along with their own conscience is they establish what is right in their own eyes. And if you don't line up with that, then you're a hater. If you do let them just go on, then, then you're not a hater, but you affirm their lifestyle. We can do neither as the children of God. And brother, if self-righteousness is in your life, you're liable to find yourself on the hater side. I'm quite certain that there's many born-again believers that have fallen into this snare. They have allowed their own self-righteous position to put their heart and their mind into a place where they will not affirm the lifestyle, which we cannot do, but they allow themselves to despise others. Oh, God, I thank you I'm not like you fill in the blank. Thank you that I'm not like the extortioner. That's what the publican was. I'm not like the thief and the robber. That's what the publican was. I'm not like the adulterer. No, by the way, I'm not like the publican. He just came right out and said, I'm not like Joe. He just pointed him out. I'm not like him. And I thank you that I'm not like him. No, I'm better than he is. Oh, what a dangerous thing when self-righteousness comes into our lives and it convinces us that we could ever take that attitude toward another human being. I'll tell you right now, you're getting to heaven and it ain't because of you. If you ever see the pearly gates, it'll be because Christ covered your wickedness with his blood and you received it as salvation. That's the only way we're getting in. Self-righteousness, a danger of self-righteousness that we despise others but also 
a danger of self-righteousness is that we begin to divide sin into the good ones and the bad ones. Notice what he said. Verse number 11, he said, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. But then he began to describe the sin. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, robbers, all of these things this man had exalted or had put up above other sinners. You know, if he was really going to talk about who he was thankful he was not like, he should have included all the other sinners. What was he trying to do? He was trying to divide some sins as being worse than other sins. Sound familiar? We're guilty of the same thing if we're not careful. And you say, how do I get to such a conclusion? It would only be self-righteousness that could cause that. Because if you look in the word of God, you're going to recognize that we're all sinners. You're going to recognize that God doesn't approve of one sin, much less ten of them. God has not necessarily put a mark on the highest sin and the lowest sin and said, well, those that are that are, are, are unjust and those that are down here are less unjust. God had concluded all under sin. All are sinners. And friend, you can go to hell whether you had one sin or a million sins. Do you hear what I'm saying? What will keep you out of heaven is your unbelief in Jesus Christ. You can be as good as any man that ever lived on this earth. But I'll tell you right now, you'll die and you'll go to hell because it ain't one sin or a million sins that sends you there. It's your unbelief in Jesus Christ. And if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, surely we recognize that it is by the efficacy of his blood, the power of his Holy Spirit, that any one of us are going to heaven. Any one of us are saved. Because Christ alone has paid the sin debt. Christ took all of my sins. <laughs> uh, someone will say it like this. Well, I was saved when I was a youngin. I ain't got as much sin debt as you did. Right, You lived to be half a century old before you got saved. You had a whole lot more sin, so that makes me closer to God. Not so. You see, if I'd have died at nine years old and rejected Jesus Christ, I'd have went to hell. Because it ain't based on you. It ain't based on your life. It ain't based, it's based on your faith in Jesus Christ. If you never get born again, you're going to hell. Self-righteousness will cause you to make one sin worse than another. You ever found yourself in a dilemma? You meet somebody that you know is living an ungodly lifestyle and because that particular lifestyle happens to be one of them big ones, right? Them major sins, them, them worser sins. Amen, you, you look down on them, you go the other way instead of loving on them, trying to help them and tell them the good news of the gospel and love them in a way that you don't affirm their lifestyle nor do you hate them and show Christ into their life. We do this very thing if we're not careful. Well, there's old so-and-so. I heard about what they was doing last week. And so we categorize a sin above another. But, but we'll, we'll run around with old so-and-so that backbites and whispers and complains all day long. We don't think of nothing about their lifestyle. 
Self-righteousness will cause us to divide sin into good and bad. And the very instant we get right with God, what we recognize is that he hates all sin. He don't like any of it. But blessed his name, he loves the sinner. Now that's hard to grab hold of, but I'll tell you, it's how you're saved. As though he hated your sin, he loved you. He didn't affirm your lifestyle, but he loved you. (laughs) And it's our self-righteousness that keeps us from being Christ-like. It's the righteousness that we have established in our own heart. The self-righteousness that ever allows us to look at one sin and categorize it above the others. This man said, God, thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I'm, I'm not unjust. He's directing most of this toward that poor publican down there. He said, I sure thank you that I'm not a robber. I don't steal from people like uh, publicans do. Happens to be one here right now, Lord. He's right down there. I'm glad I ain't like him. Right? Now, there's any one of us, if we're not careful on a, on a self-righteous day, that's what we think. Let me tell you something. It's just the grace of God. You ain't one of them. It is the grace of God alone that you ain't one of them. I'm not going to call the names, right? Because then you start focusing on the name. I'm telling you, every sin is sin in the eyes of God. And you need to get it cleaned up. Right? If you've got sin in your life, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with that sin. And he wants to get it out of your life. And if you think that sin ain't bad, so you're just going to slip it right under there and you're going to leave that alone and God don't care about that, I want you to know that's a lie and it is your self-righteousness that is keeping you from seeing the truth. You need to recognize that every sin is a violation of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and we need to repent and get right with God. The danger of self-righteousness is you'll go to dividing sin between goodens and badens. You know why? Because self-righteousness likes to be fed. And if you categorize some of them, some of them good sins, right? I, yeah, I just, I just cheat on my taxes every now and then. Ain't bad. I ain't tell but two lies last week. No, or T- Tabitha told twenty. Right? Mine ain't bad. Mine ain't bad. The danger of self-righteousness, you can convince yourself of that garbage. And before you know it, you so, you so backslid on God, you couldn't help nobody. You can't love nobody. You can't exalt nobody. You can't help nobody because you've allowed self-righteousness to come into your heart. And it's a sin. I tell you that because it's dangerous. It is dangerous. And we as a church, we have to recognize this danger. We've got to see it for what it is. If we allow self-righteousness into our lives, it will cause us to depend on ourselves instead of God. It'll cause us to despise others. and It'll cause us to divide sin into good ones and bad ones. Now that's what Jesus said about the man. But not only is that, but... When we become guilty of self-righteousness, it'll cause us to determine our own justness. 
We determine what's good, you see. When one becomes self-righteous, then we set the bar. For whether or not we make it or don't make it, what Jesus said about it after he had said, I'm glad, I thank you that I'm not like an extortioner, unjust, a robber, or an adulterer, or even as this publican down here, I thank you that I'm not like him. Then he started determining what did make him good. Right? He, he began to share with God what made him so special. He said, I give tithes. Self-righteousness will cause you to determine your own justness. Verse number 12, he said, I fast twice in the week and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, evidently, he'd put some high marks on them works right there. And self-righteousness has a tendency to pick out the things you're doing Take the things you ain't doing and hide them. But it wants to take those things you are doing. You say, oh, look, I'm going to church every time the doors are open. That's the only thing you got your eyes on. Don't make no difference. You ain't doing nothing when you get in church. Didn't seem to matter that you never amen the word of God, that you never shouted, you never prayed, you never sung, you never went to Sunday school, you never rung a bell, you never opened the door, shook a hand, said hello. You didn't do anything. And yet you said, I'm a, I give tithes of everything I possess. And by the way, I fast twice in the week. Self-righteousness has a, has a wicked tendency to begin to establish more justness in one's own life, right? And you begin to focus on only the things you are doing as opposed to being honest about the things you're not doing. Now, these are the things that Jesus said about the man. And I believe that, that these, these, any of these dangers, any of these four dangers can be evident whether a person's a sinner or a saint, lost or saved, because self-righteousness is about the flesh. It's about you. And when your life becomes about you, you'll end up in the same boat. You'll despise others. You'll determine your own justice. You'll, you'll divide sin from good and bad. You'll depend on yourself instead of depending on God. And friend, it gets worse. It just gets worse if you don't deal with it. Are you righteous in your own self tonight? It's what was wrong with Job, you see. His friends finally quit speaking with him because they said Job just sees himself as right in his own eyes and not according to God. And they were right. And when God began to speak to Job, he spoke clearly, didn't he? No, Job never said a word after that. Last thing we hear old Job said is, I repent. In dust and ashes, when God got done asking him questions, you know what he did? He stripped Job's righteousness away. He pulled every self-righteous thought that Job had. And now Job did a bunch of good things. He declared all of them, right? took him 30-something chapters, but he told them all how good he was. But by the end of that process, it was about him having done it all. And God had to stop him for a minute, tune him up. Remind him that he hadn't done any of that. God had done all that through him. 
Self-righteousness is a dangerous sin. And if it is present in this church, it will hinder people from being saved. It'll keep people from visiting, right? Because your neighbors will think of you as self-righteous. And instead of being loving and unwilling to affirm their lifestyle in a way that is salt and light, we miss the market with our witness and our testimony. Well, we'll close with this. That wasn't the end of the parable. There was another man. Right? We hadn't talked about him at all. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I do want you to see the one that Jesus was proud of. The one that Jesus said had actually hit the mark. The one that Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other man. I'd be a terrible pastor if I didn't tell you about the good man. (laughs) See, the good man was humble. The good man was broke. The good man was repentant. Even having heard. Did you know that a publican wasn't allowed in the temple? According to Moses' law, the publican wasn't allowed in the temple. That's why he stood far off. The Bible said they both went up into the temple to pray, but only one of them really got in. No, the publican was just outside the door. You wouldn't allow me. And I just wonder how many times we're grateful that the master pulled me out of that portal and made me a new temple that I could go to. You see, I get to go into the throne room of grace. Serve to be. I'm not worthy of such a privilege. But I get to go into the throne room, and he said to go with bones. You say, how? Through Christ. Through Christ. In chapter number 19 of Luke, we'll, we'll read about a publican who got saved. He's a little short man. Remember him? I wonder if he was there. I wonder if he was there, Paul, when Jesus was saying that the publican went to his house justified that day. God heard him. God accepted his prayer. God justified that man. We read about him in Luke chapter number 19. Little man running out there because he wanted to see Jesus who he was because he couldn't see for the crowd because of short stature he'd run out ahead and found him a sycamore tree and you know what I thought about that here I've got sycamore trees and I can't reach one of them limbs right it ain't like one of them maples where you just grab that one hanging there and just climb up 
Never said, come on, little lambsy. I always pictured it as being low until I really started paying attention. I got a family who exactly just had to put some effort in getting to the first one. Matter of fact, I don't believe he had to go any higher than the first one. He could see everything from there. Point being, there was a publican that got saved that day. Jesus went to the sycamore tree and he looked up into Zacchaeus' house. He said, I'm going to go to your house today. He spoke directly to the publican. Why? Because that publican's heart had been broken and was seeking Jesus. And he failed. Self-righteousness is a dangerous sin. And it is something that can be present in your life. Before this night's over, you can be guilty of self-righteousness in your heart. Say, preacher, what do we do? I'll tell you right now, we've got to pay attention to what the Lord Jesus said. Last verse. Last verse. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other man. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. Listen to what he said. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You say, what's the key? What's humility? According to the master, it's humility. You say, well, I'm afraid to pray the prayer of God. Humble me. Listen, if you have to pray for it, I'm not certain we get the poem. Humility is ought to be something that we can do. The Bible said to humble yourself before God. Right? It didn't say pray to be humbled by God, right? Don't, 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 don't seek some kind of tragedy that brings. Listen, if the only thing that can make you weak before God is tragedy, you've got a humility problem. You say, what to do it? Well, I found personally the most, the most effective way to be humble before God is to get in front of the cross and stay there till you see Him. And at the minute you see my tortured Savior, the moment you see the blood flowing, and every bruised and swollen part of his body, every gaping wound. I've never been able to not look at Christ and be humbled. He did all of that for you. If that don't unbelieve you, You've not been at the cross long enough. Because once you get there, once you're able to see the cross, you see the cross is visible. It's an emblem before us and it's always around. But I'm talking about the one that has the Savior on it. And what He did for you. And then just think about you for a moment. The ungodly life you lived. The wicked sins you've committed. A culmination of wickedness throughout a lifetime that if any one of us had to go on trial on our own righteousness, it wouldn't take but two seconds 
guilty hell. And yet we claim to have something to be prideful about, to exalt ourselves. Oh, I'm glad I'm not like a drug addict, whoremongers, fornicators, homosexuals, deviants, thieves. Glad I'm not like them kind of people. Let's just be clear. You are them kind of people. You just got born again. By the grace of God, I am what I am now. But apart from that, you're going to hell. And ain't nothing you can do about it. You will go to hell. Because your righteousness can't get you in. It is a dangerous sin. And we need to deal with that. I prayed about this. I want to, I want to, I want to share this. I'm going to ask us all to come pray. Because whether you think it or not, here's the danger. The self-righteous person won't move to everybody can. Back to front. Would you join us in prayer? Father, I bow as humble as I confess my sin, Father, and I beg 